Thicken up your skin and get ready for a supersized serving of opinion. Delivering constructive criticism and powerful praise, it's the Podcast Review Show. This is the podcast that takes the guesswork out of first-time impressions. You'll discover new podcasts while learning podcasting tips. Join in on the conversation via voicemail, email, comments, and polls. It's all at our website, podcastreviewshow.com. Welcome to the Podcast Review Show. I'm your host, Dave Jackson, from the School of Podcasting. This is where we pick up a show that has asked to come on. We figure out what they're doing right, and then we also maybe find those things that maybe, just maybe, they need to uh, tweak a little bit. And uh, tonight we're looking at Copeland Coaching, and joining me as always is my co-host. You might know him as the Podcast Talent Coach. 4,000 years in radio he's been there. Not only, how many years have you been number one? That's the thing that it matters. Grows, it grows every week we do this. <laughs> now it's up to 4,000 years I've been in radio. Yes. Eric K. Johnson from PodcastTalentCoach.com. The lovely and talented. Yes. But seriously, how many years have you been number one? That's the key that I, that I always find impressive. My show has been number one. It's hard to say years because ratings periods are quarterly Uh, and it's been, it's, yeah, it's gotta be six years, maybe straight. Okay. Like without number one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and when I wasn't number one, I was number two. So I don't want to toot my own horn, but yeah, yeah, it's been good. Awesome. And joining us is Angela Copeland from Copeland Coaching. Hence, she puts the cope in Copeland, which is which is awesome. <laughs> uh, Angela, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I uh, I got to meet. I've met Angela a couple of times. I think at Podcast Movement. I just recently saw you at Podfecta. And uh, when she heard we offered this service, she's like, oh, well, that's that's what I need then. So what uh, what got you into podcasting? Oh, it's a good question. You know, um, I decided to start the podcast around the same time that I started Copeland Coaching, the business. Um, I do career coaching. So the podcast uh, came about as a way to sort of create some additional free content that not only I could share with, you know, everyone, but uh, also I could share it with my clients. How long have you been doing the show? I feel like uh, it's over three years by now. Wow. That's a good number of episodes. What what is your background? You said you you help people with you know kind of career coaching, but before you did this, what was your background? So I started in engineering and I ended up in marketing. My very first job, I redesigned parts on cars for General Motors. I worked on the Chevy Malibu, and eventually I moved into project management. And my very last job, I was my last corporate job, I should say, I was the vice president of digital marketing at a large bank. So I myself made a lot of career transitions. Um, in large part because I have sort of a, you know, I think other people maybe have like a gambling problem. I have a bit of an interview problem. <laughs> <laughs> I find it to be really fun. And um, and around 2004, my graduate school uh, noticed that I had this this problem when I snuck onto another school's campus to get a job interview. And um, rather than get mad at me, they asked me if I would help other students find jobs. So that's kind of how this started. Ah, there you go. That's very interesting. So the idea of the podcast is to drum up people for your coaching services. I know you have a course online. You've you actually written a, a book that's got a lot of accolades to it. That's is that generally the the idea of the podcast? 
You know, I think long term, I'd love to shift even more to the online content. I love helping folks one on one, but I also, you know, coming from a digital marketing background, I would really love to grow the audience more so that I could do more online content. And so the the target audience for your podcast is that person that's somewhat white knuckled because they just found out that they no longer have a job. And, and it, is that or is it broader than that? You know, typically the folks that I talk to and I work with are very often sort of type A personalities. They're really like go-getters. They usually have a job still, but very often they're looking to rebrand and go from one industry to another or one job function to another. And typically it's brought about by some kind of life change, like maybe they are having their first child and they want to make more money, or maybe they're mid-career and they've made the money and they want to find something more enjoyable. So typically they're looking to rebrand and sort of re invent themselves. Do you enjoy the job search part of your uh, business or do you enjoy the transition part more? Oh, that's a really hard question. I, I love both. I really truly do find the actual interview process super interesting and the little bits of it, like the pieces where negotiation comes up or where, I mean, I, I like both parts. Okay. That's interesting uh, leading into this week's episode that we're reviewing here with regard to uh, nonverbal communication and the signs that you get in the interview that you can pick up on if you know what you're looking for, which is really this. That's what I enjoyed most about the episode we're going to dive into. And speaking of that, let's go ahead and uh, we'll dive into it. What we do is we always play in this case, we're playing the first two minutes and 28 minutes of the show. We kind of just get the kickoff kind of see how you get into your content and then uh, we'll, we'll kind of stop there and then we'll just kind of go through the, uh, the episode. You actually interviewed a guy who's kind of a ex FB. Well, you know what you introduce him. So I'll just let you do that. So here we go. Welcome to the Copeland coaching podcast, where it's all about turning your job search into a slam dunk. Your host, is Angela Copeland. Welcome to the Copeland Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Copeland. Live on the phone with me today, I have Joe Navarro in Tampa, Florida. Joe is an international best-selling author and body language expert. He spent 25 years at the FBI working as both an agent and a supervisor in the areas of counterintelligence and counterterrorism. Through his work, he was able to study, refine, and apply the science of nonverbal communications. Joe is the author of numerous books and articles on body language, including What Every Body Is Saying, an ex-FBI agent's guide to speed reading people. Joe, thank you for joining me today. Angela, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Gosh, I am so excited to talk with you. Uh, this is one of my very favorite topics, and you are such an expert in this field. Um, I really have to kick it off with uh, my very first most basic question, which is what got you so interested in body language? Well, you know, as I, uh, as you know, yeah, you know, I came to this country as a uh, refugee, and uh, I didn't speak English, and so I had to rely on the on the one universal language that even at a young age of eight seemed to um, I could rely on, and that was you know body language, and uh, I, I I found it to just 
be fascinating to to just study people. Now, obviously, my parents were so busy working; they were both working uh, three jobs that they didn't have time for that. But uh, I had much more free time, and I just started to to just study people and watch people and. And uh, later in life, when uh, when my uh, my playmates were uh, collecting uh, baseball cards, I was collecting three by five cards of uh, of little weird behaviors that that people did, and uh, and that's really what got me started. I'm picturing this little kid with three by five cards. So that's the the intro, and I, I'll start off. To me, the the you almost need to see the website. Because you have a, a sports theme to your website, the whole point of it. So when the, the deep voice guy comes in, and the one thing that you do, which I, when I heard an episode, I think, in Nashville, you didn't do as much. You need to come in with some energy, and you you were a little more energetic in this one than the one I think I heard in, in uh, Tennessee. Because if you come in soft, it's going to be really obvious that you have the big deep voice guy. And if you came in, hi, this is Angela. That's just not going to work. So you, you come in fairly confident. Uh, so I thought that was... Uh, that that's a, a not a problem. It's just one of those things because it is so high energy. If you don't bring any energy, it's going to be obvious. So I thought that was uh, was good. I thought you did a really good job of introducing the guy. Um, I know I was like as soon as you as soon as anybody says FBI, I'm like oh well, I'm tuning into this. So that was that was cool. Eric, what were your thoughts on the uh, the intro? I think this was probably the shortest intro intro that i've ever heard and it told me everything that i needed to know which was really cool turn your job search into a slam dunk done i mean it was right on the money told me everything i needed to know to get into the uh podcast and i love the way that the interview kept tying back to job search and interviewing and trying to land a job here we are talking to this fbi guy uh, about reading body language and we kept taking it back into the the purpose of the podcast, which I thought was uh, really strong, very consistent, and uh, and really well done. I love the uh, speed reading people. Learn how to speed read people. I thought that was just very visual. I love the I love creative words, and I thought that was uh, one that really jumped out at me. When you jump into your first question, there's really no need to introduce the question. You say, "I want to start off with." My first most basic question would be, and then you ask the question, which let, just ask the question. Let's make it a conversation rather than a question and answers interrogation. Just, you know, uh, Joe, thanks for being here. How did this ever become your passion? And let him get into the story because he he starts into it and uh, he tells a great story with the three by five cards and the kid. And you had a great follow up question to that. And really got him to explain more and really paint the picture and draw the story, which I thought was great. Uh, really strong, really strong start to the show. I did have a question about, like, how obviously he's on the phone. How were you actually recording this? Uh, it's a good question. So I was in a uh, recording studio, like a professional music studio, and we piped him in what I picture to be similar to how radio was done years ago. We use a device that's called a Getner, I believe. Okay. Do you know? It's a really old, I think we found it on eBay. So he's basically being piped in through the telephone. Yeah, Getner's just a phone box. It's a phone interface that comes in, brings the phone lines into the Getner, and the Getner takes it into the board. 
the only thing that for me, and this is where I have the hardest time, especially like on a show like this, where I'm listening really intently to the content, I think I go overboard. And the other thing is I listen through the ears of a podcaster. And so this guy had great content, but he was also at times, he stammered a lot. And that's where I'm like, would I notice that if I wasn't a podcaster? Because when I'm going, and some of it is what I call low hanging fruit. So I just have a quick clip of here that I like, eh, eh. if it was me, I would have gone in and cleaned this up. It's the recognition that we are affected by colors. Children who are on the uh, uh, spectrum disorder, if there's any yellow color around. So there's a couple like, uh, uh, and at the beginning it was kind of cutting off, or I'm not sure that was my right clip that I had for that. Cause I remember I had one who, where he just was just could not come up with this thought and I just wasn't sure, if, is that something you do at all, or do you just kind of, and that's fine if you don't. Some people are just like, nope, I'm going to keep it real, and they throw it up there, but what's your take on that? So I have not been doing editing. Like We, we haven't been editing uh, anything out, really, but I actually am really open to that idea. Um, so I would, I would love any suggestions around editing and what would be better. I mean, would you recommend maybe cutting out the stammering, potentially cutting out like entire questions if they seem boring? Like, where would you go? Well, the one thing he did is, I think I even have a question for it, is he has a thing when he doesn't know this one. Yeah, I, I, I think that's that's a very good uh, question, Angela. And I, and I think because of your experience, you're, you're sensitive to it. Um we, you know, no matter what sector you, you, you. So he can't get, and the reason he's saying that, he doesn't have his answer yet. And the reason I brought that up, that was the third time he said, that's a really good question. And there are times when I, I go, you know, that was a good question. I don't know if it was a really good question. And then the fact <laughs> that he's going, uh, because, uh, and then he says, you're so sensitive to this. And I, 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 I and I, um, and I'm like, okay. You could take that out. Now, does that ruin your podcast? No. But to me, after the third time, I'm like, and again, I don't know if that's just me being me, but I was like, that's the third time he said that. And it was kind of like, I know what he's doing because he's trying to come up with an answer as, right. a, as opposed to just giving you, it, it would be easier if they actually just shut up and thought for a second because it's easier to see empty space than a, a bunch of, of stammering. And that was actually a better clip of him. And again, it wasn't like he had a stutter, but it was things where, and I do this all the time. I cut myself up all the time. I'll go to ask a question and I'll be like, tell me about the time when you were, you know, what was it like to do this? Because halfway in the middle of the question, I'm like, I finally figure out what I'm trying to say. And I'll actually ask the question. And I just cut that stuff out. So Eric, did you think there were anything that was like, that's what I was really, I'm like, I need Eric's opinion on this. Cause I don't know if it's just me or, you know, was it distracting at all? Or to me, uh, I'm lazy and I'm not going to go through and, and comb every, um, and, uh, out. I didn't think his stammering was that, uh, distracting even this part right here where he's trying to think of his answer right. and he's like, yeah, well you're sensitive to it. And it kind of comes up to you and he's starting to frame his answer a little bit. That didn't bother me so much if you leave it in, because to me, it sounds like a natural conversation. Right. When, you, when you're when you talking to somebody, they don't have the answers right off the top of their head. Oh, yeah, of course, Angela, here's the answer, you know, because I'm a walking encyclopedia. <laughs> now, on the other hand, when it's big, long gaps like this, 
that are 20 seconds long. And it's easy to go in and go, yeah, we're going to take that section out to make this guy sound a lot smarter than he's coming across with all of these stammers. If it's easy to do like that, by all means, go in and take it out if you have the time. If you if you don't, if you go, you know what, I just need to get the interview up, then go get the interview up and let it sit as it is. I don't think it took away from the interview. Right. With regard, Angela, to your question, should you go in and take out questions that flopped? I would I would spend more time doing that than I would cleaning up the ums and the uhs and the lip smacking and everything. If you ask a question and it doesn't go where you intended it to go, it doesn't give you a great answer. If it wastes your listener's time, then go take that question and answer out completely. I would spend more time doing that because it's going to make your interview stronger than spending time taking out the stammers because that's not going to make your interview stronger. That's just going to make your audio a little cleaner. Yeah, because if you have a a story or some sort of information that doesn't resonate with the audience. They don't care if there's an um in there or not. It's like, right. Why are we one talking adds about to that? the content? One just adds to the cleanliness of the thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was the other question I had is that's why I asked about your audience. Cause at one point you guys were talking about haircuts. Um, the other thing you have to be aware of is what job am I seeking? Because certain jobs require, certain attire, certain mm-hmm. haircuts, certain demeanor, and, um, and, and, uh, and, and we have to uh, sometimes abide. So-, so when I heard that, I was kind of like, wait, who's your, because to me, and that's where I just go, I, see, I had training in high school, like how to go look for a job. Um, I actually used to teach people a little bit how to do that. Are there people out there that know, like, I can't go in with a mohawk to... You know what? I don't know. I would. That was the one that I was like, "Why are we talking about haircuts?" Who's, who's I've, the I've interviewed here? a handful of those people for part-time <laughs> jobs at the radio station. Believe me, there are people who come in and you're like, "Seriously, this is how you're going to show up?" This interview's over before it started. <laughs> I think the level of training that people have around looking for a job really varies, and interestingly, I I don't think it has to do even necessarily with how senior they are, because sometimes people have gone their whole career and never had to like sort of proactively look. But I actually think what the guest was referring to is people who come out of the military and transition into civilian jobs. He was, we talked a little bit uh, before we started uh, recording. And I think he may have been talking about staying away from like a military haircut if you're going for a civilian job, for example. Ah, there we go. For me, I didn't mind the the intro and the beginning of the interview, but to me, about eight minutes in is when it really started to get fun. When he started talking about your feet on how if somebody doesn't, if your feet are pointed away from somebody, and that's when I was like, oh, wait, because this is stuff I don't notice, but now I'm going to. And that to me is when it really was like, oh, wait, hold on. All right. I'm going to listen to this. Have you read any of his books? But yes, because you steered towards in about eight minutes, you really go. It was just like, bam, bam, bam was really great questions. I guess the, for me it, at this point is where you start to to pull it into what does this have to do with job search? Because the, mm-hmm. the first part about him and his history and things like that, I was like, yeah, all right, OK. But when now when you actually got into the subject of the body language. That's when I was like, oh, okay, this is what we tuned in for. And again, I'm thinking it's a white knuckled guy going, if I don't get a job soon, I'm going to lose my house. 
not quite maybe who you're looking for. Uh, so I, I, I now get this a little more. One point to that, Dave, you know, this guy has experience in, in FBI and espionage and it's dripping with the opportunity for him to tell great stories and to ask him questions. Tell me about a time or has this ever happened to you? Tell me about a, uh, a time it's happened to you or when you've come across this. And it took a while before we started getting stories out of him um, with the questions. We were about, uh, I made a note that it was about 22 and a half minutes in. You asked him something and he said, I'll tell you a great story. And he goes into this story about going out and buying this white suit because it was in the time of like Saturday night fever. And he tells us great and you could see it. Right. And, it, but, but like when he goes into the feet bit that Dave was talking about, that would have been a great opportunity to ask him a question. Like, tell me about a time when reading feet helped you with your FBI work or, or in the line of espionage. And that would have been an opportunity for him to go. There was this one time we were interviewing a guy, you know, I'm sure he can't tell specific details being that it's classified government work, but he could be vague enough to really make it a captivating and, and compelling story. That makes sense. Absolutely. And the other thing I thought you did a good job of is without making it all about you, you do a good job of, in some cases, piggybacking on something he said. And then you'll say, uh, like, you have a, here, you talk about growing up in Oklahoma. They do really have an impact on whether or not you kind of fit in and whether or not people will accept you. And I mean, I bring it up only because I think it's something good to be aware of. Um, you know, in my case, I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma, and then I went to college in New York and uh, in upstate New York, and I went to grad school in Malibu, California. And so um, the social differences and being accepted into those various groups are incredibly different. And I think even when you pay attention to the cues, you can still be an outsider to some degree because it's it's so different and the de- the the differences are in such tiny detail sometimes. So that added to his story. And that's also why I asked you, how did you record this? I thought it was interesting. He's on the phone and that's you. And that was one. I actually went out today and walked around with earbuds because sitting here in a quiet room, I listen to that and go, who's frying bacon in the background? Because there's a lot of static on that. And I was like, maybe it's just because I'm in a quiet room. And I actually was walking around. I got geese harping at me. And that still came through in my earbuds. Was there something going on technology-wise that that caused that, do you know? or It's a really good question. I'm not sure. Um, I actually, I work with a sound engineer who helps me. So okay. I'm typically not in the, the actual the process. The process. Um, but I, I definitely, I think, um, so it's a music studio where I record and I'm one of the I was probably, I think I was the first podcast they ever worked on. And I think I'm the only one that has guests uh, who are brought in. And so I definitely would be interested if you had any recommendations on a a better solution for bringing in the guest besides just the old school phone line. There are are a couple you can, what I do, especially if people who aren't like, how old was Joe? I think he was 70 something, right? If I remember right. Yeah, which is, that's part of the concern. The other concern is that we record in a part of Memphis that it doesn't have super high speed, as high speed internet as you would want. And right. actually sometimes the power goes out. Like there's been at least once or twice, like That's there'll be fun. random. 
there'll be random outages. There was once I had to cancel a recording because all the power was out in that neighborhood that day. And I had to just. We might try that. And there's a, an interesting solution called Ringer. It's R-A-N-G-R. And what's interesting, it's it's kind of made for people that are interviewing people who aren't that tech savvy. And it's an app and it works on both Android and iOS. And what it does is it actually uses the microphone in your phone, which oddly enough is actually pretty good. You don't have to worry about room noise because your mouth is right next to your phone. And what it actually does, the only thing that's kind of not weird is it records your recording to your phone. And when it's done, it uploads it to their service. So when you're done with a phone, you have to tell the person, hey, you need to kind of be on Wi-Fi wherever they're at, because otherwise you're going to use their data package to upload your media file. <laughs> and then you can actually, depending on how how much control you want, you can download each into, like you can download your side and his side. So if you want to add some EQ and, you know, let your audio engineer guy go crazy on that, or you can actually say, look, can you just smush these together and give me one file? And it'll actually kind of level out the volume for you. So it's a, a pretty handy little tool. And I know some people that do that, that are in places where they don't Either A, they have, like you said, I have the internet. It's not super duper fast. Well, you don't need super duper fast to upload a file, but if you're doing a, a Skype call or things like that, uh, it might. So that might be a, a solution because it, again, it wasn't something that I was like, oh, I can't listen to this. But all of a sudden it was, it, it distracted me to where I was kind of like, what's going on with the audio here? Eric, did you have that kind of thought or was it, is it just me being too picky again? I did not notice it when I was listening. I was listening in the car. What it might be as they bring as they're bringing the Gentner into the board, they, it sounds like they're recording your audio coming out of the Gentner as well, and they should be using a mix minus into the Gentner, so the the caller is only hearing you and not themselves, and and the same for you. So you're able to hear the caller coming through your headphones, but probably not you if they're setting that up correctly and if the guy knows what he's doing, he should be able to record you on the right channel and the phone caller on the left channel. So you can play with them and then just make it a mono uh, mix at the end of the day. Uh, that way you can boost their levels without boosting your levels. They may need to call a radio engineer in to kind of set it up properly. But to me, it sounds like they're recording your audio off the Gentner instead of recording your audio directly from mic to tape okay that's a good question i mean you know they do a great job but i think it's a it's a good question because i'm in a situation where i'm kind of the only the only person they work with who has this set this setup in this scenario yeah it might just be a matter of paying a radio engineer a couple bucks to come in and check their setup that makes sense that particular segment where you're talking about like even with you like how you'd gone to different places and it was hard to fit in. That seemed for me to be more of a conversation of how to fit into a job after you got the job. Is that how you saw that or? Uh, no, I think I was also talking a little bit from my memory about um, there's a lot of things that come across in the first impression. You know, you have about seven seconds to make it. And I think they typically make the decision about hiring within like the first four minutes. And so often it depends on do you fit in? Like, do you look like someone who could work here? Do you get this, like the visual cues, like that kind of thing? So I think to me, uh, I was sort of more reflecting on my experience going from Oklahoma to New York to Malibu and just how all those cues are a little different. And you, ha you really have to learn to pay attention. 
Got it. Okay. Cause yeah, cause he was talking about again, haircuts and, and culture and things like that. And I was kind of like, wasn't well, that stuff you worry about after you get the job? But, uh, but then things just, then you just start coming out swinging and every question I was like, Ooh, that's a good question. Ooh, that's what it just really snowballed at the end. Um, that part right there, Dave, mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoyed because so many interviewers focus solely on the guest and we rarely get to know anything about the interviewer. And as we're trying to get people to love our show and, and to develop an affinity for it, come back week after week to listen, we really have to create a friendship with our listener. And unless we're revealing things about ourselves through our interviewing style and through the stories that we tell, our listeners will never get to know us. And I love the fact here that you don't make it all about yourself, but you reveal the fact of going to school in Malibu and and you're going to school in upstate New York and you're from the, the South or whatever. And all of these little pieces start to define who you are and tell us that story without interfering with the interview itself. And I thought it was really well done. And I don't hear that often enough in interviews. Yeah. You did that a couple of times where you, you threw in just a, and again, there are short little stories about your experiences or something you had seen. And it was great. Cause it, it just was like, here's a, just a little more icing to, to show another point of view about this same point. So that's, what was like, he just made a point and you're like, Hey, that's a really good point. Um, here's, something I've seen in my travels, such and such and such. So it was always a way to, to kind of let, like Eric says, let people get to know you uh, and also kind of uh, stay on point to what was going on. Not just like, Hey, you know, at this point I want to talk about my French toast recipe. Uh, It was, (laughs) it it, it pertained to the, uh, but then you got in some great, this is where I was like, Oh, I love this question. One thing I'm really curious about is voice because I, Sometimes we may say something and maybe our voice is strong and we sound confident, but our body language, maybe our back is kind of hunched over and we're looking at the ground. And I'm curious when we have that sort of conflicting body language and voice situation, which one is the hiring manager paying attention to? Like, which one do they believe? So, and as soon as you like, that's another thing you do really well. You ask questions and you shut up. Uh, that's one thing I had. I forgot to put in my notes, but I was just like, oh, yeah, I was going to write that down. You do a really good job of asking a great question and then just letting them answer. And then when you're done, if there's something to add, you would. Uh, but you don't interrupt. You don't have to. Uh, some people want to go me too or things like that. So I thought that was a, a great question. There are so many podcasters that ask the question and then provide the justification for the question rather than doing what you do is provide a little setup background justification for the question and then hit the question and stop talking so they can answer you do it in the right order. And the setup isn't overly long. Like Bob Costas, his Bob Costas sets up the question for four minutes and then finally asks it. <laughs> you just hit it and get out of the way, which uh, is great. Your, your interviewing skills are very strong. So it, I appreciate that. I, I actually have two questions. Sure. The first one is, um, I think sometimes as the person is answering, I will verbally almost, I guess, head nod where I'll say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if I should be doing that or if I should be quiet. Like, that, that's the first question. A couple things. Uh, a little bit of that goes a long way. You don't have to do it a ton. When you do it quite often, it makes it difficult to edit. 
you'll find yourself going, mm-hmm, and then you're thinking, oh, that's where my edit needs to be, and now I can't get me out of there. So uh, you need to be careful where you're doing it. But an occasional affirmation like that helps your guests know they're going in the right direction and that you're actually paying attention and not reading your list of questions looking for the next one. Uh, But you don't have to do it constantly. You can just do it every now and then here and there and just chime in a little bit just to give them the acknowledgement that that you're engaged and that they're on the right track. And this is where sometimes if you're using something like a ringer, you can download both person's their side of the conversation and you can mm -hmm, all you want live because you want to let that person know you're listening and then just later go through and go let me get rid of these because you have just your version of that That, if your setup is right you can do that all you'd like if you set up the way that i was talking about setting up the gentner where you're on the right channel they're on the left channel same thing you can do that all day long because you can go in and clean off the right channel and clean you up all day without ever affecting them if if you have it set up properly where you're split channeled, then then you don't have to worry about getting in the way. And and the acknowledgement is is there all day long to help them understand they're going in the right direction. Okay, that's perfect. The other question is I have gotten feedback that I could even potentially share more about myself and that potentially I'm not positioning myself as enough of an expert or that it's not clear enough that you know, I am advising other people on job seeking. It's more that I'm just interviewing the guest. Right. Um, and so I guess one scenario would be potentially that I might share more information, which I could do if that was appropriate. Another scenario that has been recommended to me is the idea of possibly doing uh, a show with no guest where it was just me um, or alternatively like episodes with no, no guest or alternatively, I've even thought about possibly having like a segment of the show where maybe it's just me and I'm reflecting back on the conversation or I'm adding in tips. And I don't know which of those, if any, seem like interesting. They all work. It really depends on what you're most interested in. Doing an entire show by yourself is a completely different beast than conducting an interview. And you have to be comfortable on the mic for a half hour talking about a particular topic. Uh, A lot of people will finish the episode and they'll come back and they'll give their recap of the uh, of the interview and talk about some things and maybe add a few other nuggets of wisdom. If you're creative enough, you can squeeze it into the interview. You could say things like, um, you know, Angela, when I'm coaching clients and I recommend that they hold their feet in this way and that way, when you're working in the FBI, what do you find? Which tells my audience, I, I, one, I coach clients. Two, I know what I'm talking about. And then three, what is your perspective on that situation? Okay. So it, you use your expertise to set up the question. Okay. You, know, you, you just want to make sure you're not, uh, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. Um, but but it's just a creative way to to set up the question. You know, the other week I was working with a coaching client and we started discussing this and that and the other thing. How would you have handled that situation? That kind of leads down that same path. I definitely think that uh, more of you and your expertise is needed somewhere in the show. Okay. Like if you listen to Dave's show, if you listen to the school of podcasting, when Dave has interviewers on, it's not just the interview. It's not just the guest. Dave has other content in there that still provides you useful information, still highlights his expertise, but it also highlights 
the the content that the guest is bringing on. Mm-hmm. We bring on guests because they can offer different perspectives on the same subject matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think my favorite quote on this, there's a, a friend of mine, Natalie Ekdahl, does a show called Biz Chicks. And she did interviews, I think, for a couple years and then started doing solo shows. And she said it really helped. She does the same thing, kind of coaching. And she said how she looks at it is when you do interviews, you are increasing your network. She goes, but when you do a solo show, you're increasing your engagement with your audience because they really get to know you. You know, you don't have to come up with the cure for cancer. It could be something like today we're going to talk about, I just want to have a conversation with me and you. We don't have a guest today because I want to talk about the 10 biggest mistakes people do when they're looking for a job. You know, those things that you like, oh, if I have to answer this again, you can put those into an episode and now it just gets people to know you. And that's where you can say, I remember this one time I went in and said, so glad to meet you, Fred. And the guy's name was Steve, you know, so always know any kind of thing that you've done to, to be a little transparent, that'll help. But some people just have a really hard time with that. I realize it's weird talking to a wall because they freak out. They're like, yeah, but there's so many people listening. Like, well, technically if you're first starting out, no, there isn't. There's, there's, (laughs) but, um, but just think about whoever your best friend is, your aunt, your mom, or who, just think about that one person that you want to help and just talk to them. And that can, uh, can increase. And then it doesn't have to be like uh, Eric already mentioned. It doesn't have to be one or the other. I have some people like, I don't know if I should do an interview show or a solo show, or I'm like, do both. That's what I do. I mean, I've got, I just recorded a couple of interviews and then some weeks I don't have anybody on. It depends kind of what's going on. I'm talking about what's in the news or I'm talking about gear or whatever. As long as it pertains to my audience, I'll talk about it. Uh, and you know, some people think having a, a guest will boost their audience because hopefully their audience will help promote it. Mm-hmm. And that's not always true. Depends on who it is. Always make it super easy for your guest to share your stuff. But I know some people are like, Oh, if I could just get big shot, smarty pants person, you know, um, who's the purple cow guy, Seth Godin. If I could just get Seth Godin, I would, you know, money would fall from heaven. And it's like, Seth's a little busy. He may not promote your stuff. Uh, and then the yeah. other thing is, Pat Flynn does that a lot. Pat Flynn has interviews quite often on his show, but then there's there's the occasional show where it's just Pat and he's just teaching. And I bet his downloads for those are uh, quite a bit higher than the downloads for the interview episodes. I don't know. I've never looked, but there he does the interviews to expand the circle and then he does the solo shows to expand his influence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another, th- another thing to keep in mind with interviews is if your whole if you're like oh this is going to be great I can't wait to have this person on and I hope he shares it with his audience or her audience then you need to give have that interview be something different than this person hasn't talked about because mm-hmm. if I interview Pat Flynn and he talks about well I did this thing I was an architect and blah 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 and I came up with the green he's told that story eight million times he's not going to share that with his audience and go hey look I told my story again so <laughs> you have to come up with something new for them to go oh thanks I've never talked about that before. I'll definitely share this with my audience. And that's, that sometimes is like, Ooh, now how do I got to do that? So would you feel comfortable doing a solo show? So it's interesting. I I think if you'd asked me that maybe a year and a half ago, I probably would have said no, but about a year ago I did a TEDx talk and afterward I did, um, I did a little one solo episode to talk about the experience 
And I remember going into the studio and being really nervous. You know, how am I going to do this? And I just had a couple bullet points and really quickly rattled off like 25 minutes or something. And it ended up being a lot easier and smoother than I thought. And actually, what you're looking at now, um, I mentioned to you, I just built this little home studio like a couple of weeks ago. And my thought process was that it would give me some creative space to kind of you know, potentially record by myself and and see what that was like, as opposed to sort of the pressure of being in a studio in front of other people um, trying to record by myself. Uh, so I, I think I might be able to. I've started actually doing some tutorials like on uh, YouTube and Facebook Live about different things with regards to like how to use LinkedIn, how to use Glassdoor, the different job sites. And a lot of times the things that I talk about are questions that I get every day. Um, Bingo. That's you know, to me. One of the things that anybody can do, take those frequently asked questions and turn them into an episode. That way, if somebody goes, hey, do you know, could you help me with my LinkedIn? You could answer their question right there in email, but then say, for more information, I actually talked about this in episode 38, and you send them mm -hmm. a link and it just makes you look even more like, wow, not only is this person answering my question and she really seems to know what she's talking about, but she's got a podcast. So she she must be a big shot smarty pants. And then, of course, at the end of the, the podcast, you say, hey, if you'd like to sign up for one-on-one -on -one coaching or if you'd like to take my course or whatever, now you've got your call to action. Because that was the one thing I had in my notes is I don't know that I got from the episode what you actually do. You have a, a couple mm -hmm. calls to action, but I was kind of like, it, it's it's insinuated. Right. No, I think you're right. I think it could be more clear. I even think like on my website, I sometimes wonder, you know, my website, copelandcoaching.com is is centered around the coaching part and the podcast is also kind of secondary. So it's sort of like figuring out how to cross promote the two pieces in both spaces, I think would probably be good. Yeah. But you, you, you went from that question about the, the voice versus body language. Then you asked a great question. I thought was, are there any myths about body language? And I was like, and, and the answers were just like, Oh wow. And he was, Oh, everybody thinks this, but that's wrong. And then, and again, I'm like, where's my notepad? I got to write this down. I got to start looking at people's feet. I got to look at all this. Other, and I really, uh, the, the one thing that I put is something you might think about. I went to your website. There's no link to any of his books. And I was like, Oh, so I went, I mean, I was able to go over, I typed in his name, but I was like, you know, uh, and then the other thing, and again, this is just me. I, I went there and I was kind of like, Hmm, I'm not sure which book is for me. Cause he's got a ton. So I wasn't sure. That's why I asked you if you read any. It might have been, or if he had one he was promoting. Sometimes they're like, no, we need to promote the new one um, kind of thing. But I didn't see a link for that. But I love the any miss, how to tell if it was going well was the next one. How do I know if my interviews, what what can I look at my my next person? Eric, any other thoughts on this? To me, I just thought this was like, bam, 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 when you were going through that part. Yeah, once we hit the 25-minute mark of this interview, the questions just started coming and they were they were great. Uh, the the one that Dave mentioned there, any advice we should ignore or miss that are wrong? I thought that was a great question. Are there any signs we're doing well in the interview? I thought that those two are both great questions because they're, they're useful for the audience. I, as a listener, I can take that information. I can go put it to use today. I can uh, put it into action. So I thought, I thought the questions there toward the end, you were really on a roll and uh, starting to give us a lot of information we could use overall through the episode. Th there's a couple things that, uh, you know, sometimes we don't know what we don't know. There was a time you mentioned uh, 
we talked about this before we got started and then you went into the question. And what I would encourage you to remember is that it's show business. Everything that happens, happens on the show. There was no before the interview. There, yeah. the, the, the listener, you, me, you and the guest and the listener are all in that little triangle there. And there are no secrets. So mm-hmm. what happened before the show, just use that to your advantage. Like you're a genius and you're asking amazing questions. So if you already know about it, just use that information to set up a great question. Because if, I, if I'm talking to Dave and then we hit record and then I ask Dave a question, he's not going to go, well, Eric, you just asked me that before we hit record. Like, why are you asking me that again? He knows that I know the answer and it's a great answer. So I'm going to loft him a softball here that he can hit out of the park because I know that it's a great question and a great answer. So don't leave the, don't leave the listener out of part of the conversation. And that little, we talked about this before the show makes me as a listener feel like, oh, well, there was a whole part of the conversation I missed that I was left out of. Mm-hmm. So don't exclude your listener with that. And then you use a lot of group speak in the episode. And by that, I mean, uh, you at one point in time, you say, well, our listeners today are doing this. And at the end, you say, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Even though you have a large audience, everybody's listening as an individual, usually mm-hmm. with earbuds in. And it's just you and the guest and the listener. It's just a little triangle. So you're either talking to the listener or you're talking to the guest. You're not talking to a group of people. Because okay. when you talk to us as a group of people, I look around and I go, I'm here by myself. Who, who are you talking to? Like, it's just me. I, I, And that's what makes that personal connection and that friendship with your podcast. If you talk to me as an individual and you mm-hmm. say, if, if you want to get his book, all you have to do is go over to my website, tell me what your email address is, and I'll send you the list of his books and how you can get them. I feel like you're talking to me. If you say, hey, you guys, if you guys want to pick up any of his books, all uh, you have to do is tell me what your email address is, and I'll send you guys a whole list of it. And I'll go, well, I don't want you to send it to you guys. I want to feel special like it's coming just to me. Mm-hmm. So narrow down on that group speak and make your audience feel like they're special and that you're talking to them on an individual basis. So just little tweaks like that will take your, your podcast to a a level that a lot of podcasters don't reach because they're just not aware of those little nuances that can really strengthen the relationship you have with your listener. Yeah. I think I can change that like pretty easily. I have have one question on that. So sometimes when I'm interviewing someone, I might say, well, if we wanted to change careers, uh, what would we do? Like I might say something like that to the guest. Is is it okay to use the word we in that context or is there a different way to say it? Yes. We is fine because because okay. you and I could be we. Right. That's not a big group of people. Okay. Um, it, they would be a group of people. Okay. External from you. And I don't sure. know who they would be, but right. we, it could be you and I. That would okay. be perfectly fine. That's great. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And what that does is it goes from your audience saying, I felt like you made that episode for me to, I felt like you were talking right to me and there's mm-hmm. both are good, but one's like, you know, and I, I've had people say that, like, I always feel like you're talking right to me. And I go, and I am, I go, I'm sitting <laughs> in my chair. I go, send me your picture. I'll put it on the wall. <laughs> and, and so it is one of those, and it's, is, it's, it's really easy. It's not a hard thing to, to do. And it's also not the end of the world. If you're like in the middle of an episode 
and you go, Hey everybody, let's do this. And you don't, it's not like you're going, Oh, dude, you, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world, but it's just one of those things to, to keep in mind. Yeah. Uh, and then you had a great conversation about how to spot a bad boss. I thought the, that was really interesting. So all those for me really, I didn't, they weren't kind of about job search. They were, they, these fit in wholeheartedly. And that to me uh, just really kind of got the conversation going. And uh, I really enjoyed that part. The The last part of the show was uh, you have another, I think a pre-recorded intro or outro and you got your call to action. And that sounds like this. And thank you everyone for listening. Thanks to those of you who sent me questions. You can send me your questions to Angela at copelandcoaching.com. You can also send me questions via Twitter. I'm at Copeland Coach. And on Facebook, I'm Copeland Coaching. Don't forget to help me out. Subscribe on iTunes and leave me a review. Thank you for listening to the Copeland Coaching Podcast today with your host, Angela Copeland. Tune in next time to get more great tips on turning your job search into a slam dunk. Okay. So the deep voice guy kind of pimps your service. Okay. <laughs> I, so I, I, speaking of him, I've gotten sort of mixed reviews on him. Some people love him. Some people don't. Good. Um, is that good to get mixed reviews? Yep. Because uh, if nobody cares, nobody cares. Oh, that's a good point. I would, I would rather have them love me or hate me, but if they don't care about me, I'm in a world of hurt. If I, say, if I say rate me on a one to five scale, <clears throat> as long as I have more fives than ones, I don't mind that I have ones. But okay. if I have all threes, I'm vanilla and nobody cares. Oh, that's great. That's really good feedback. So that's perfect. Um, you know, I've tried to customize my brand so it comes across very sporty. So we can think of job searching as a competition and really fun and and not not something like difficult or like therapy. It just so happens that Deep Voice Guy is the announcer for the Memphis Grizzlies. Awesome. Um, <laughs> so uh, he, you know, I wanted him to announce it like a, a basketball game. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd stick with it. I mean, okay. just rubbing some people the wrong way is okay every now and then. It okay. sets you apart. It's unique. Everybody wants to be the, the you know, the, well, I want the British accent guy introducing my show like he does every other show. <laughs> no, I, 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 love I love your intro. I thought at the end there, Angela, you had a lot of calls to action for yourself. You know, email me with a question. You can hit me up on Twitter. You can hit me up on Facebook. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Review it if you'd like. There were a lot of things to do there. So I, I would pick one and you can rotate them through episodes if you'd like, but what's the one thing you want me to do when this episode's over? Oh, you know, I wish I had more. What can I do now? What's the one thing you want me to do? Subscribe. Now, right. Now that you've listened to the show, I'd love to have you subscribe. Okay. Head on over to, you know, the, the website slash subscribe or however you want them to get there. Tell them the one thing you want them to do. Okay. And then if, the, if you get them on the email list or whatever, then you can occasionally say, hey, would you mind reviewing the show or have you followed me on Twitter yet? You can periodically hit them with that. But give them the one most important thing that you want them to do. Because if you, if you give them a to-do list, they're going to be like everybody else. And they're going, I ain't get time for that. Mm -hmm. so tell them to do one thing and one thing only and, and get them to take action. Okay, perfect. And then when we look at your website, this is probably one of the better looking websites we've seen. Did you have somebody do this for you or is this something you put together or? This is me. Um, wow. 
I mean, you know, I started in computer programming and digital marketing. So, uh, <laughs> so you kind of know what you're doing. I hope it's not one of the worst websites you see. No, it's, well, it's just, it's, <laughs> I mean, I, I can make some graphics, but it's always hilarious. I've made artwork for my shows and then I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and hire somebody just to see what they come up with. And it's always better because it looks like, my artwork was like not horrible, but it was made by somebody who's not really a graphic artist. This, that's why I asked because I just went to it. And number one, it's super clean. You've got a nice theme with the orange. And uh, again, the sports theme comes in, but the thing that hit me was just instant credibility. You've got Forbes, indeed us news, the wall street journal, all these different places are across the top. You've got your contact information right there. You've got an about page and then your blog. So for me and an email signup list, for me, I just thought it was, uh, a, you kind of know exactly what you're looking for. When I see this, I'm like, okay, this is somebody who wants to connect with people because you've got an email list, a contact page, here's who I am, and here's some blog, a, a blog if you want to uh, to tune in. Uh, Eric, what were your thoughts when you first came to the site? A uh, couple thoughts. One, I love the clean look. Uh, the homepage is very focused. I'm not scrolling down for seven hours trying to reach the bottom of the homepage. It's just there, and it gives me what I need. I love the social proof at the top with the uh, with the periodicals and things like that. Two things I might adjust on the homepage. Mm-hmm. One is where the prep checklist part is right there. You bury the headline. I mean, the prep checklist, the interview prep checklist is the last thing you mention mm-hmm. in that two line sentence. Oh, I'd, I got it. I'd put that up front. Okay. You know, you want a job prep because getting the job checklist is the thing. Signing up for the newsletter should be secondary. Okay. Yet you you have newsletter in front of prep checklist and it's also all the way at the end. So I'd lead with that. I love your headshot. Uh, you know, it lets us get to know who you are, but a lot of those three boxes are about you and okay. not necessarily about the listener. Good point. So mm-hmm. the the far left one says contact Angela. That might you might reframe that a little bit to uh what 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 do you need help with? What are you struggling with? What's the hurdle you're trying to get over? Okay. Something that's outward focused rather than inward focused. Then the middle box can be you and then the one on the right is jobs or whatever that happens to be. So I might tweak that a little bit just to make that homepage a little more outward focused and a little more here to help the visitor. That's I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, as we dig into the website, I love the testimonials. I thought that added great credibility to your coaching and, and what you do. The one thing on the pages is if you click on courses, it takes me away from this pay, this site. I know. And, and I had a tough time getting back here. Mm-hmm. Um, because there wasn't even a mm-hmm. link on the courses page that would jump me back to this page. So totally if there's some sort of link you could create there to get me back home where I feel safe, I would make that adjustment. Or open in a new window. Yeah. Or open in a new window would be a great idea. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. Overall, I love it. I love the coaching theme, the sports theme that you tied through it. The drop-down menus are all real clean and easy to use. I love that your phone number is easy to to reach. Everything just looks clean and it's really well designed. Just a, a couple content pieces I would tweak a little bit. Then yeah, that's the, great. I forget. I think it was the book page I went to. No, it must be your podcast page. One okay. of these where you just have accolade after it's like top career podcast, 2018, 17, 16, it's like, 
that's really cool. And I also like the fact that you have on your podcast page uh, multiple times. Here's Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. So you're giving people the reason. I love the fact that uh, even though in I work for Lips and I think I wish this was more obvious, but when you click on this button, you have all the buttons filled out. I was like, yay, somebody's actually (laughs) using lips and right. Yay. I thought that was cool for me. You might, I'm not sure how technical your audience is under podcast. You might want to add a page on how to subscribe. Ooh, that's a good idea. Uh, Because you have all these, you know, it's, it's not hard to find, you know, uh, how to subscribe. You've got it all over the place in the, in the, but if I was looking, if I didn't go to the podcast page, I see you have a podcast. And if I clicked here and saw another thing that said subscribe, that might drive some, because we kind of all assume, well, you know, you just do the search thing and click on the thing. And it's like, some people are like, wait, what, what's the podcast? Mm-hmm. So that's <laughs> a lot of people don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So you might want to make a page that uh, explains, so anything you can do to get people to subscribe, I guess this is what I was talking about earlier when I said, I'm not sure your podcast lets people know exactly what's on the, what's on the menu. Cause when mm-hmm. I came out here, I was like, Oh wow, you work with corporate people, you do speaking. And I'm not sure, Eric, how does she do that without making the show all about her? A little bit like we talked, you know, you can, you can uh, tuck it into the interview questions. When you structure your questions, you can, put it at the end, you know, you can talk about things that have happened over your, uh, in the course of your week, you know, matter of fact, when I was, uh, over giving a presentation to IBM the other day and helping their management team in uh, recruitment and what they're looking for when they're interviewing clients, this is what we found. And this is, we got into a great discussion about this. That's without saying, Hey, if you want to hire me for your corporate event, come right. pay me money. That's kind of mentioning that, I speak to Fortune 100 companies on a regular basis and help their leadership team in their hiring process. And I can do that for you. You just said all of that just by saying, when I was speaking to IBM's management team about their hiring practices, I helped them do this by explaining such and such. Mm-hmm. So there are ways to tuck it in without without saying, hey, look at me, look at me, come give me money and sign up. If you frame it in a way that is helping your audience. If you just step out to help people, you can promote yourself in ways that are tactful and still relevant to the audience. Uh, there's a guy who does a show called the geologic podcast. And okay. he talked about something about um, something about, I'm, I'm thinking of starting a patron page. That's all he said about it. And his, audience came out with like, would you please make a Patreon page? Because we've bought your, he's a musician. We've bought your music. We bought your one little book you have, and we would love to support you, but we ran out of things to buy. And so sometimes (laughs) just the little things can help. And then I know earlier we were talking about combining interviews with maybe a little segment. Another great example of that is Mark Maron. If you think about Mm -hmm. it, he, he has some little story at the beginning and it's short and then he gets to the interview. So you might, if you wanted to mix both those, you could say, Hey, you know, this week I went to an event and I was talking about such and such. And if you've ever thought about and then, you know, boil that talk down to two sentences, you know, that's one of those things you can do. And uh, I've really seen that a lot. And this is how people get over whatever. Today we're talking to so-and-so. And and if you can come up with something that ties in with who the guest is, maybe 
uh, that's even better. But that's another example. I was just thinking of that as we were talking. I'm like, well, Mark Marin does that. He does a little one, story. One thing I would recommend is don't apologize for it. I hear so many podcasters mention something like that. Well, you know what? In my book, I mentioned this whole thing where we develop your target listener. And then they'll say, now, I don't want this to sound like one big commercial for my book. And I'm like, well, I wasn't thinking that until you just mentioned it. <laughs> no. Now, now that you say something, it does sound like a big commercial for your book because you just said, hey, look at my big commercial for my book. So don't don't apologize if you set out truly meaning to help people and you don't feel bad about that. There's no reason to apologize and there's no need to draw undue attention to something. You know, when 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 I'm talking to people, when I'm coaching people who are on the radio and they'll they'll flub up the, you know, they'll stumble on their words and then they'll go, ah, that, that's easy for me to say. Right. I can't even see what I'm saying. And I'm like, <laughs> nobody would have, nobody would have even recognized you messed up. Had you not stopped and said, Hey, look at my mess up, you know, mm -hmm. just keep, keep moving, keep talking. So don't draw attention to it. That isn't necessary. Okay. Anything I saw here that I would tweak. I didn't see anything huge. I did enjoy the second half of the interview more than the, the first half. Yeah. Um, just because it was more, you know, like I said, I didn't have to think about how does this apply to job search, but that doesn't mean the beginning of it was awful. It did kind of set up. It made me interact. What that did is it actually helped sell Joe's book. That's what it did. Mm -hmm. Now that I think about it, because that's when I was like, wait a minute. And I went to your side. I went, wait, where's the link to the book? And that's when I was like, so as I'm listening to it, I'm actually at Amazon going, wait, do I want the dating book? Do I want the, this book? He had a whole bunch of books on body language. So that's actually now we think about it. That's actually what that segment did. It 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 established his credibility, which is why he's on the show. That guy mm -hmm. wants to sell books. So in that aspect, it worked great. Uh, and then you you just slammed it on the way home. Uh, Eric, what were your kind of final thoughts as we look back? I would try and get more stories in and just really get engaging with the stories that you can get your listeners to tell with real life examples of the job search or or how to put their information into use in in the uh, in the real world. And then other than that, just some cleanup there. We talked a little bit about the group speak. We talked a little bit about the conversation before the the recording actually begins and just including your listeners and making them feel special. But I I love story. I'm a big storyteller. I love the way stories make things come to life and they they uh they help us teach and they have for generations and decades and millennia. So uh, use those all you can and use them to your advantage. And then the other thing I would just say is, is work with your guys to, I, I need to listen to more episodes. I, I, the one I listened to in Tennessee didn't have any audio quality. So it may just have been the case that, you know, maybe this episode things went a little wonky with uh, the box you were using. But um, again, that wasn't a huge problem. It was just kind of like, wait, the, the audio's something's going on with the audio here. Uh, so that was kind of weird, but uh, that should be an easy fix. And then, like we said, if you're if you're having problems with Internet and people, you might want to check out Ringer. And for whatever okay. reason, because it's it's web, whatever we're on 3.0 now, there's no E in Ringer. It's R-I-N-G-R. Okay. But uh, any questions for us as we wrap up? Because we hate E's. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, I have one question. Um, I recently was given the feedback of with an episode like this where it gets interesting later in the episode that it would be good to grab one of the best questions from later in the episode and move it and make it the first question to really get the audience engaged early on. 
Would you recommend that or? I, I just did that. I had, I was interviewing uh, Monica Rivera who does a show called you want to do what? And at the end, I don't know if it's cause she was less nervous or what, but she just dropped something. And I was like, Oh, that was really good. And I just went, you know what? That can stand alone. It's I'm not making her say something she didn't say, but this will tie my audience in. And I just moved it right to the front. It was like the second question it was like, tell us a little about why you started the podcast and then bam. And it was like, sometimes that can sound out of context because you have the benefit of the first 30 minutes of the conversation before that question comes up. So the question makes sense to you. And then taking that out of context and moving it all the way to the front sometimes makes sense to you as the host, but won't make sense to the listener because it's out of context. So I would be careful with it. You might make it a feature of the show. You know, I, we always kick off the interview with my favorite question of the interview, and this is what it sounded like, play it. And then if it's out of context, you still leave it later on in the show. So it comes up 20 minutes into the show and it gives a little more context to it. You just kind of have to play with it and see what got you into podcasting. That's easy to put up front. But if it's something like he buys the leisure suit, people are going to go that. I don't understand. What, what are we talking about here? And then it isn't until you realize he's been with the FBI, he's been in espionage. Now he's realizing that the, the, the white Saturday night fever suit doesn't quite fit into the, the business environment that he's in because we're talking about clothing and we're talking about haircuts. And now it all makes sense because it's within the context of the show. So sometimes it will work and sometimes it won't. You just have to understand that you have the benefit of knowledge that your audience does not. That's a great okay. point. I have one last question. Um, I think the thing that, you know, my number one goal right now would be to really grow the audience. And I had always assumed that maybe there were some issues with the show that I needed to iron out. Um, and of course, I feel like I can definitely improve a lot of things, but you have given me a lot of positive feedback and I've gotten positive feedback from other folks too that make me think maybe the answer to growing the audience, I mean, to, I do want to continue to improve the show, no doubt, but perhaps my focus should be more on the marketing piece or maybe it's maybe focusing just on the show quality is not exactly the answer to the audience issue. Is that, would you agree or no? Creating the podcast is 20% of the work. Marketing the podcast is the other 80% of the work. Okay. So definitely work to make your podcast as strong as it can be. Sure. But spend most of your time getting people to come and listen to it. Okay. Get out and and participate in forums and Facebook groups and wherever you can there. With regard to the guest that's on, if you make it a unique conversation mm-hmm. that is different from every other every other interview. And the way you do that is through getting them to tell great stories. Mm -hmm. Tell me about a time you did this. Tell me about the first time you did that. And you get them to tell, man, I haven't told this story in 20 years. Then all of a sudden at the end, they're saying, this is the best interview I've done. Like this was so much fun. Then you have them hooked in. Now all we have to do is make it easy for them to share it. Mm -hmm. Write the Twitter post forum, write the Facebook post forum, uh, you know, cut out a little highlight for them. Make it easy for them to share it with their circle because if they've had a great time on your show, you've got them to tell stories that they haven't told in years and they and or they haven't told on any other podcast. Now, all of a sudden, they have a reason to share that with their tribe and get more people to come back to see you. Okay, that's great feedback. 
Yeah. And then I see you go to a lot of events. You might look into like partnering. Like you, you mentioned you're going to the indeed uh, event. That would be a great one. Cause that's all about job search to say, Hey, I is, you know, I do the Copeland coaching show. I've been featured here and near, you know, I would love to help you promote your event on my podcast. Can I get a booth there? And then what you do is you actually, if you want to, I've seen people that will have a little, you know, San, you know, uh, Angela from the Copeland coaching show, blah, blah, blah. And you just bring a little baby mixer and some microphones and you actually interview people right in the booth. And cause, cause some people freak out because, well, when you do the interview, there's all this talking in the background. Don't worry too much about that. If you have people right up on the mic, yes, there's going to be some background noise, but what that really does is that can really build your network. Because mm-hmm. now people want to, you know, and plus it also makes you look again, like a big shot, smarty pants. Cause nobody else is recording a podcast here. Who's this person. And now they're like, Oh, what? You know, and then have your business card with your website, subscribe in iTunes, uh, that whole nine yards. That's a way I've seen some people that have, uh, they've taken that idea. I've heard a couple people now that have done that. And That's a great idea. It, it, you it, could set that up where you're not doing a full blown 30 minute interview with people. You might have, you know, three hot questions you ask them, you know, who are you and what do you do? And they tell them that and they go, okay, what's the best thing you've seen here? What's the craziest thing you've seen here? And what's the one nugget you're taking away from the show? Thanks for coming by. You know, it's a a little five minute thing. And then you put together a montage of an episode of the, the nuggets they're taking away. So many things we've taken away this week. And then here's Dave from the school of podcasting. Oh, the one thing I'm taking away is yada, yada. And then, uh, you know, here's Angela and the, here's the one thing I'm taking away. And here's Eric. Here's the one thing I'm taking away. And you make it. A, and now all of a sudden you have 12 people sharing the show instead of just one. Mm-hmm. And if, that's a great idea. If there are other people there, other vendors or people that you want to network with. I have a, a, a friend of mine that does a show and I asked him once, I'm like, well, how are your download numbers? He's like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, are you getting any engagement? He's like, no. I'm like, why are you doing the podcast again? Oh, that's easy. He goes, I get to talk to people who I have no business talking to, uh, <laughs> yep. but they'll talk to me because I said, would you like to come on my podcast? So the fact that you're there and you're a podcast, you might be able to network with people. And I know it doesn't fit your particular setup, but I've seen people do that then. And those other people then in some cases will become sponsors for your show. Now that doesn't fit into your business model, but I've seen people uh, do that. They'll network and those, those other vendors will then become sponsors of their show. Now in your case, it just might be additional business or, you know, things of that nature, but that's a, that's a way to do that. I always say when it comes to growing your audience, eyeball to eyeball is the best connection from there. Uh, I think email or something or, or a DM on Twitter, something that's just between you and me, as opposed to a Twitter post that's to everybody. If it's direct to you, that's mm-hmm. a little more personal. And then you get into the the Facebook and the Instagram and things that are out for everybody to see. Uh, but it, it really does kind of boil down to, and you're doing this, you're going to where your, your audience is and then just let them know it's there and, and make sure it's listed on your business card. I actually have business cards. I have two different business cards. I have one to contact me and one to listen to my show. So depending on who the person is, I can say, Oh, here, everything you need is, is right here. Any other questions? No, this has been excellent. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, you can find Angela over again at copelandcoaching.com. You can find me at schoolofpodcasting.com. Eric, where can people find you? Find all my good stuff over at podcasttalentcoach.com anytime you'd like. And if you'd like to sit in Angela's chair, she's got it all warmed up for you. 
simply go out to podcastreviewshow.com and uh, you can be right here. So thanks for everybody for listening. We'll see you again real soon with another episode of the Podcast Review Show. Thanks for tuning into our show. If you'd like to get reviewed, go to podcastreviewshow.com slash review me. Want to give us a review? Go to podcastreviewshow.com slash iTunes. Links to today's podcast, along with ways for you to connect with us, can be found at our website at podcastreviewshow.com. Looking for an in-depth review? Need some podcasting pointers? Sign up for a coaching session with Dave at schoolofpodcasting.com. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world, one download at a time.